praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise you and bless you. Hallelujah, Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Mighty Spirit of God. Hallelujah. We praise you and bless you, Lord. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory, glory to the King of Kings. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, Holy Spirit. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise you and bless you this morning, Lord. We worship you, Father. We worship you and praise you this morning. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, glory to God, hallelujah. Praise the name of Jesus. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, O oh Father God. Come, Lord, I pray. Come, Lord, I pray. Mighty Spirit of God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Worthy are you, Lord. Worthy are you, Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Lord, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Worthy are you, Lord. Worthy are you, Father. Praise you, Jesus. Mariam, Doliam, 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 Doliam,
quote from my devotions this week. I, don't, I didn't get the first one. I just have words for you for you to say in devotion this week. Psalm 34, 19. Lord, you have said in your word that you redeem our souls when we put our trust in you. I pray that I will have faith in you to redeem our souls from negative emotions. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. children, the wind of my spirit is blowing. Actually, raise your sails, my children. Raise your sails and allow me, allow the wind, allow me to move you forward and to move you higher. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.
praise you and bless you, Lord. Hallelujah. Praise you, Father. Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You know, these times of quiet, they're so important. They're just so important. I know some people during these times get uncomfortable, impatient, maybe a little bit. What's going on? Why aren't, you know, what's going on here? And but, you know, so rarely in the church experience over the years that I've been going to churches, 41 years now, do we give time for just the Holy Spirit to speak? And yeah, it is awkward. And it is uncomfortable. And that's good. Because it's carving a little chunk of our flesh away. You know? Church is not supposed to be comfortable. It's supposed to challenge us. And it's supposed to change us. And we need to just learn like, you're not here to learn how to preach, and you're not here to learn how to do worship. We're here because we want to hear God. We want to hear God. And so, uh, in the Bible I read, there's a part that comes to hearing God, which is called listening. And boy, we have to listen and give time to the Holy Spirit to speak. And, uh, and you know, maybe some weeks you do it and, you know, it's just quiet. And you know what? There's something profound in just being quiet. He may not be speaking to everyone, but he might be speaking to us as individuals in the quiet. But the point uh, I guess I'm getting at is we, we need to really cherish this to take the time and if we could just put away the clock for a minute and just use this quiet time to hear God to hear what he's saying you know I sang this morning enter enter into the courts and uh, and how do we do that we do it with worship and praise and singing through songs is one way to worship but there's another thing in the silence and in the quiet and in the time of where we just worship God without music, without anything. We're just worshiping him. And that's worth something too. And I, that's what's so precious about these times. And, it, you know, God's saying, raise your sails. If you know anything about sailing, that sometimes the wind dies and you're just there floating along. You're just there floating along. And then all of a sudden, it comes back up again. No one really knows why or how. I watch a sailing channel, and I'm pretty akin to it now. But, you know, you have to, you are at the mercy of the wind. 
you have a little bit of control with the rudder, a little bit, but basically the wind's going to tell you. Uh, you know, you have to learn to tack and do all these different things. We have to respond to the wind. The wind doesn't respond to us. And God is saying, put up your sail. And when we put up our sail to catch God's wind, it's kind of like saying, okay, Father, wherever you want to go, whatever you want to do, I'm, gonna, I'm going to just put my sail and trust that you are going to lead me and us in a direction. It's interesting with sailing that you do have a little bit of control with the rudder. You do. God, it's, it's a mutual thing. You work with the wind. And, and God's not just saying lay down and just give up, but listen. Put up that sail and let your, what the Lord is saying and what you're feeling and what you see him saying to you and, and just surrender that he has got you and that you can trust him. And, and to just go where it is that God wants you to go. And what's interesting, God's plan for you, like it was said this morning, is always to move you to something better. God's process in your life is always for something better. And, of course, we always think what's coming is worse. We think, oh, it's, it's not going to work, or this is going to happen, or that is going to happen, and we project negative. But God's saying this morning, throw that sail up. Trust me that I will fill it. That when you put the sail up, God's going to send the wind. He's going to send the wind. I would think that's what he's promising us this morning. You put that sail up, and I'm going to fill it. Because there's a, there's a destiny for you. There's a, a future and a purpose uh, for your life. Go ahead, Willie. The Lord spoke as you were speaking about filling the sail. And indeed, he does fill the sail by his spirit. But he also says, I have control of the rudder as well. Mm. I am mm. in control of the direction. The word says, I direct your steps. Yeah. The steps of a good man are directed by the instructed by the enacted by the Lord. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. In really, really hard storms, sometimes you have to just go with the storm. That strong wind. And you know, sometimes... God can come in like a strong storm. Sometimes God can come in and really throw things around the room. He can allow a very strong wind to come into our lives. And it, it's you're right, Willie. At, at some point, you have to even let go of the rudder and trust God. That that force and that wind in your life is guiding you to somewhere. You know, you're still alive, apparently. We'll see at the end of the service, but you're still alive so far. And that means God has purpose. I don't care what it is you are facing. I don't say that uh, not in a, not a compassionate way, but I say it does not matter what we are facing. It does not stop God's purposes and plans. And you're alive for a reason. I know many times we wake up and go, why am I still here? You know, like, I want to go home. But in actuality, God has a purpose for you being alive. And he's saying this morning, set up your sail 
as if you're expecting some wind. And trust that he's got a, a destination. Delight in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Um, what does it mean? You could do a whole sermon on what it means to delight yourself in the Lord. Some people it's worship, some people it's service, some people it's study, some people it's all kinds of different things, but you delight yourself in the Lord. Some people walking in nature, but nonetheless, all of those things have your focus on Christ. And uh, I had a picture, we've been having very significant prayer times in this church over the last couple of weeks, uh, just just very kind of random prayer that's turned into very strong times of this holy hush coming into the building. It's just amazing. And I had a picture this week of us all running to and fro, chasing children. And, and all of a sudden this statement stop. And we all just stopped and we turned around and we're all looking at the cross. And God said, it's time to focus on me. It's time to stop chasing all worries, concerns, rights, what we think we should be doing, what we think we should be, all this stuff that gets us in a frenzy and keeps us going. Stop and start focusing on Jesus. Start focusing on Jesus, whether it's through Bible study or prayer or getting together with other Christians or whatever. But I'm telling you, we need to get our focus on Jesus right now. We really do. And God is saying, set your sails. Set your sail. And because there's something for the church to do, there's something for you and I to do in this crazy world that we have right now. If the church was ever needed, I couldn't think of a better time than right now that a vibrant, living, speaking, anointed church needs to be on the earth and we need to have a message and the message isn't that we're scared and the message isn't that we're hovering in the corners like everybody else uh, with what's going on but to be able to just stand and say no there's a message in this time we have a message and and guess what you and I are the only ones God has to send it through I suppose he could write it in the clouds but people would just ignore it but if you go up to someone you know and they know you and you start talking, then you have their attention. So God has a purpose, but I can't get away from this sail thing. Set your sail. Set your sail. Let God take you. Let God move you. Let God change you. Let God take us to different ways of thinking, different ways of being. Let God change us not easy. It's not an easy thing to trust God in that way. How we handle people, how we're handling situations, how we're handling our money, how we're handling our lives, how we're handling our friends, how we're handling all these things, how we're handling everything. Just set our sail and maybe God is saying let go of the rudder a little bit and let me lead you through this. Let me lead you through this. Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, for speaking to us. I thank you, Lord, for this church. I thank you, Lord, that we have a time and, and an ability to come to you and to stop down and just let you speak and let you say what you want to say through us, Father. Help us to know what it means to set our sails. 
each of us, it, it means a different thing. But it definitely comes around to trust and expectation, to trust and to expect in you, Father God. Lord, I just pray this morning for those who maybe are struggling with trust and, and struggling with a sense of positive expectation for their life. But you're saying this morning, no, you set that sail. Set that sail and I'll be with you. Trust me, I'll get you there. Just pull up the sail and wait in patient expectation. Father, we thank you for your promise this morning. Thank you, Lord. Jerry. Yeah, it really is like I God never, I don't think God ever intended us to just uh, sit down and go, okay, God, do whatever you want. I mean, there are times, right? There are times. But for the most part, we are walking hand in hand with Jesus. And we're having conversations with God about which, w which way things should go and what do you think, Dad? And we're going to make some mistakes. We're going to make some mistakes. And that's okay. Welcome to learning. And, uh, and But it's this mutual thing of God, show me what to do here. But like Bill Wozniak used to say all the time, even God himself can't steer a parked bike. Right? You can't. It's got to be moving in order for it to steer. And uh, so God is just saying, set that sail. And I can't, I can't believe that he would tell us to set the sail if wind wasn't coming. And part of the ways, I, I don't want to get lost in the metaphor here too much, but one of the ways we can set the sail is by doing what we're doing this morning, which is stopping, pausing, listening, and saying, Father, however you want to fill this sail this morning. But it's, I, I have a real sense of positiveness about it, that God is saying wind is coming, and so set the sail. It's... Uh, Anybody else have anything before we move on?
Today's old song is actually during prayer this week. Um, Judy has a tremendous recall of songs. I, it's amazing, and uh, we just start singing these old choruses and old hymns. Boy, I'll tell you, there's power in those songs because most of them were scriptures. Ask, seek, and knock is what we're going to talk about today. And uh, it's really exciting, actually. This is a very exciting piece of scripture. I think there's a, there may be a graphic up there. Liz, did I put it in? Oh, yeah, there it is. Ask, seek, and knock. And Matthew 7, 7 through 11, Jesus has been talking about the Sermon on the Mount. One of the, I heard it was Truman, President Truman said, way back, there's not a problem in the world that the Sermon on the Mount won't solve. And uh, the Sermon on the Mount is some of the most challenging and provocative doctrines of faith that the world's ever heard. And it turns everything on its head, the Sermon on the Mount does. But uh, he said something, Jesus, and I, what I like about this is this is Jesus speaking. And he says, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you for everyone who asks receives. That's a statement right there. Everyone who seeks finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened goes on to say, actually, with, with that right there, we're living in a time where everything in all uh, in the cosmos is trying to take that truth away from us, what I just read right there. It's trying to hammer us into despondency. You parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people, and well, there you have it, that's it. That's for all the people that think there's no such thing as sin. Jesus apparently says every one of us are sinful. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to those who ask him? Jesus is doing something really important here because he's teaching us something about our heavenly father. And a lot of what Jesus did in his lifestyle and in what he did and what he said was trying to change the image that people had about God. And he really shows us that he is a heavenly father, which is totally different than what they were living at the time. And how we think about our father in heaven is going to be filtered through what we think he is and how we think he is. And it's just the way it is. We are bound by how we think. We are bound by how we expect. And we are bound and we bind God about what he can do based on our idea of what he's like. And the problem with that is that so many of us have grown up with parents who are a lot less than loving, giving, and affirming. And this is a reality. I, I really... I've heard that all my Christian life, and you've heard it all your Christian life, that the what we think God will do for us and how he will interact with us is directly tied to our earthly father and mother. And it's a reality. I hate to say it, but it is a reality. 
And I don't think we even understand the complexities of that. Over this last year, I have delved into it and seen it so clearly, so clearly, that many of my expectations of God were directly related to how I expected from my earthly father. It, God has shown it to me in graphic detail at times, and it's shocking how my core fundamental ideas and expectations of God are so connected with what I thought about my father. And why are our parents like this? Like, parents get a bad rap. We really do. Can we, anyone who's a parent here, you just have to say, okay, I'm guilty. You know, at the end of the day, your kids are going to grow up and they're going to find something wrong that you did. And because we did something wrong, we're not perfect. There's maybe we didn't discipline right. Maybe we didn't do that right. Maybe, you know, it's just the nature of the fallen condition that that's going to be the case. So we need to really cut some slack for our parents, too. But nonetheless, whether they did it knowingly or unknowingly, whether damage was done knowingly or unknowingly, it's still there. Uh, you know, it's still there. And, um, and why are our parents like that? Well, you know, probably because of the way their parents treated them. I don't know what it is about the last two or three generations, but when I talk to people about their parents, they're horror stories for the most part. Drunk and just violent and terrible stuff going on. I think it maybe was the post-war that so many men came back with PTSD, and in those days they didn't know what it was. So they beat their way through it or drank their way through it or worked their way through it or something. They all came back damaged. You can't go through war and not come back damaged. In today's world, if you miss a bus, you get PTSD. I mean, everyone's got PTSD now. And I don't mock, I, like, I don't mock it because I know some people have very serious issues. And some of us, you know, are, are you know, I have five, four brothers and sisters we all went through basically the same thing. Mine, I was the last of them, so I got the worst of it in, in a lot of cases. But nonetheless, we all went through pretty crazy stuff, but each of us have handled it differently. And so, you know, your brothers and sisters might be strong and raw and they're doing it, but you may be very crippled by something that you went through as a child. We're all made differently. We're, we have different ways about us. But the fact is that Nonetheless, however it happened, however our perception of God got skewed, God wants to fix it. And sometimes life's tragedies change our parents. Well, who knows what they went through uh, in their own personal life. But nonetheless, it can make believing that our Heavenly Father is good and He wants to give us good things and He wants to bless us, that He likes us. That's a big one. Oh, my heavens. So many people do not think that God likes them. And it, uh, you just have to sit with that one if that's your case and be honest about it. But so, so many of us feel that God really doesn't want to bless us, really doesn't want to give us good things, really is out to just discipline us and correct us and reprimand us. And you don't have to be in hardcore Pentecostalism to find that out very quickly. That that, especially when you go back to the holiness movement, and just if you did the least thing wrong, well, you were out of the church and you were out of God's grace. Just this harsh, harsh, harsh way of seeing God. And Jesus came and did completely the opposite, and he got killed for it. 
He was trying to show us a loving, forgiving, caring God. But we need to change our opinion. So Jesus came to do that for us. And what is he saying in this? He's saying if we ask, we will receive. If we seek, we will find. If we knock, it shall be opened. Now this is the truth. This is the truth. The actual tense, if you take it back, is for all those that are very nerdy about the language and the Greek and all that, if you take it back to the real tense and, and what that says, it would read like this. Keep on asking, and it will be given to you. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who keeps on asking will continually receive, and he who keeps on seeking will continually find. And to him who keeps on knocking, it will be opened. This is the word of the Lord. This is what Jesus is saying to us this morning. And now we have to keep on doing that. We have to just keep on expecting. Like God said, set your sail. Why? Because God wants to answer. God wants something to catch the wind in. Our expectation and our perception of him is what catches all of that. If we don't expect God to do anything good, there's probably a good chance that even when he does, we won't see it. If we don't have any expectation of him healing us, any expectation of him granting us the desires of our heart, then there's a probably a good chance it, 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 it won't happen. There is a part that we have to play in this. There has to be an openness to receive. Uh, you can see it very often when someone tries to give us a gift. Someone comes and wants to, uh, you know, you drove them somewhere, and oh, no, I don't want to take any money, or somebody just wants to bless you and give you something. Very often we push back. I remember my father used to, uh, and last going off with my father, we had a very good relationship the last five years, and I was able to bring him to faith. Well, the Holy Spirit brought him to faith. I was just a vehicle through it. But, but he would come and try to give me like $20 for gas or give me some money for oil or something. And I'd go, oh, no, no, it's okay. No, no, no. And finally, I was standing in his kitchen one day, and I heard the Spirit of God just say to me, will you stop? <laughs> I'm trying to bless you. Will you just stop being so proud? We think we're being humble, but we're actually being proud. And so then I was taking the money all over the place after that. <laughs> I was even asking for it. But sometimes we just, oh, no, no, we have this about God. But God wants to bless us. He wants to give us gifts. Jesus says something very important in Matthew 7 and 8. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and to everyone who knocks the door will be opened it will be answered. There are some conditions, though. Here's the one, here's the catcher, right? There's where we all, darn! You mean I can ask him for anything I want and I'm going to get it? Well, there is, there's some play in it. Matthew 7, 11 says, So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? Which agrees with James 1.17. Whatever is good and perfect, is a gift coming down to us from God our Father who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes nor casts a shifting shadow, which agrees with Psalm 84 and 11. For the Lord God is our sun and our shield. He gives us grace and glory. The Lord will withhold no good thing from those who do 
what is right. God knows what is best for us. All these things have this thing in common. It's a good gift that God wants to give. It's a good gift. Like we said at the beginning, God wants to give us good things. God wants to give you good things. He wants to give me good things. It's not all about just being a better Christian. It's not all about just trying to, uh, you know, get rid of that sin and get rid of that thing and get rid of this. We just get so uh, about our faith. When Jesus was on the cross saying it is finished and he said it for a reason. Everything that is required for you to be loved by God, everything that is required for you to be saved, everything that is required for God to like you, love you, want you, and be with you was done on the cross. I guarantee you all your striving and all your abilities and all your attempts of trying to be a better Christian does not make God love you more. What it mostly does is make you tired, discouraged, and frustrated, and all of a sudden your faith becomes a labor. And it just becomes a series of behavioral modification that's what our Christianity will become and that's not what it is there is a very mysterious secret that we know that God loves you just the way you are and nothing you are going to do is going to make that any more it isn't but then we say well aren't we supposed to try to be good and yes we do we should do that absolutely but when that becomes what makes us love, and trust me, that transition happens very easily, especially if you've come up in a faith that says God's willingness to work with you, be with you, and love you is based on how you perform, then that's going to be a very difficult thing to change. But that, that is not what dictates whether or not God wants to give you good gifts. It is because he loves you, period. Jesus has done everything for that to happen so but God knows what's best for us we do not know what is best for us we don't look at the world <laughs> look at the world look at our look at some of the decisions we've made in the past no we don't we don't <laughs> always know what's best for us God we we think a certain job would be the right thing for us God knows the future and he knows that that maybe is not the right job maybe that's not the way you should go and we need to set our sail and trust the wind that God's going to lead us to where we need to go. We think a certain person is right for us. I have seen, I've seen some dramatic mistakes where people, for whatever reason, I, I don't know, married somebody and everyone else knew it was wrong. Well, they didn't. And we're telling them. And, uh, you know, and it turns into a disaster. That's why we have to set that sail and listen. We have to listen, say, God, what is God knows the right person for us. And maybe when there is no person for us, which is another way to live. We want a certain lifestyle. The world is shooting a lifestyle at us every day through media, through the people we're around. The whole culture is creating a lifestyle expectation for us. And I don't think it's really God's lifestyle expectation. I really don't. The more, 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 bigger, 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 fancier, fancier, all that kind of stuff. This is not God's scheme. But God does want to give us good gifts. And he does want us to have a good life. 
But what that looks like is not what the world's telling us. Matthew 6 and 8, don't be like them, meaning outside. For your Father knows exactly what you need even before you ask it. God already knows. He already knows. But most often what God, and if we read what Jesus is talking about here, and if we do the context, if we put it into context, most often when God is asking us to seek him or to go after him or to ask him, it's for things pertaining to his kingdom, for his spirit and the fruit of the spirit, for his will and his purposes in our life, and life's necessities of you know food, shelter, and clothing. So th those, when we think of, okay, what does God say? I will give you whatever you ask for. You know, it, these are the things that is most referred to. That God's saying, listen, I'm going to give you those things. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. I'm going to give you the fruit of the Spirit. I'm going to give you the ability to, to walk with me. I'm going to give you strength and weakness. I'm going to give you all those promises that are in the Bible. That's the stuff that God, God's really promising us. As far as the fleshly side of life, the kind of car we drive, the house we live in, the clothes we wear, and, and the status of all that stuff, you know, really, uh, you know, I don't know what to make about that. I, uh, you know, I, I've bought secondhand clothes for the last 40 years, so going and paying retail is shocking to me. <laughs> shocking. But I know there's people that spend $200 on a shirt, and uh, you can do that. But for, the, for these things, and I think what you and I are here this morning in this stillness, praying and asking God for, I don't think any of you were sitting here thinking about getting a new car. Some of you might have been, you know, some of you might have been. But for the most part, I don't think that that's really what was on your mind. There were bigger things on your mind, spiritual things things about God, things about you and your relationship with God, things about your future with God, things about people who need healing, people who need a miracle, people who need deliverance, people who need to know Jesus. I think those were probably the things that were on our mind. And those are the very things that God says, yeah, I'm going to answer those. I'm going to answer those things. I'm, I've got an answer for those things. God said, put up your sail. Put up your sail because I'm going to answer. I'm going to send in the wind of those things. John 14 and 13, you can ask for anything in my name. You know what? At some point, we have to just believe what Scripture says. And these are, these are powerful, powerful words. This is Jesus speaking. You can ask for anything in my name, and I will do it, so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. John 15, 16, you didn't choose me, I chose you. A lot of contention about that one, boy. I heard a, a podcast yesterday, two Christians arguing about that. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit. That's an amazing statement right there. That means God's going to do that. So that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. John 15, 7. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, which means the life and the person and the character of Christ, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. John 16, 24. You haven't done this before. Ask using my name and you will receive 
and you will have abundant joy. I don't know about you, but I'm a thinking God saying ask. I don't know about you, but I think we need to have an, a personality and a perception towards God that says that he wants to bless us, that he wants to provide good things for you. And in some ways, it may very well be, it may very well be a new car. Roseanne got a new car. <laughs> says from the back row. You know, Roseanne, I don't, you know, God just did that sovereignly. Just said, I think I'm going to give Roseanne a new car. He may come along and say, I'm going to give you a new house. I'm going to give you a better job. I'm going to give you uh, whatever it might be, right? But I think without us expecting God to do that, it's never going to happen. Because there is something about our faith being mixed with his. And it's not all about just discipline and being a better Christian and, and getting rid of the, the carnal man and all that stuff. Jesus just said, reckon it dead. Scripture, Paul just said, reckon it dead. He didn't say, you go kill it. He just said, reckon it dead. It's dead. But what God is saying to us this morning is set your sail because I want to bless you. I, if I want you to have the perfect job. I want you to have the perfect spouse. I want you to have the perfect relationship with your children. I want you to have enough money so that you can supply your needs and bless other people. There's nothing wrong with being rich. I wish every one of you had millions of dollars. What a different world it would be. Because thought would have it that if you all had a million dollars, there'd be a lot of people getting some help. There'd be a lot of mission work being done. You know, the rich young ruler was not sent away because he had a, bu a bunch of money. It's because he thought the money was what made him good. Because God had blessed him with this money and da-da-da-da-da. And he just, his whole reality, the way he perceived himself was the money. It was this good thing that had come into his life that had actually stopped him from coming into faith. So, but you can have money. It's okay. Oh, I wish. I wish in many ways. But God wants to give good gifts to you. We're living below what God died for us to live. Yes, he wants healings. Yes, he wants a, a sanctified life. And yes, he wants these things. And he'll do those things. But he also wants to bless us. And we just need to have a sense that God, okay, I, I agree. I agree. You'll give me good gifts. And apparently for Roseanne, he thought a good gift was a new car. And sometimes it is a material thing. Sometimes it's a fruit of the Spirit. Sometimes it's a freedom from a bondage. Someday it's all kinds of things, but we need to set our sail and have an expectation that God really wants us to have these things, and he wants us to ask him. Because if we don't believe we're going to get it, we'll never ask him. We just, we just never will. So we need to make sure that we are going to God and asking him. And ask big. Ask that the whole family will be saved or that you'll have enough money to do this or you'll have the ability and strength to do this and whatever it is. I, I just really believe God's saying something about blessing this morning. God is like a mother and he cares for us. Isaiah 49, 15. Never can a mother forget her nursing child. Can she feel no love for the child she has born? But even if that were possible, I would not forget you. 
God is saying that he is the heart of a mother. That just scripture just jumped out to me. And that it says in Psalm 27:10, even if my father and mother abandon me, the Lord will hold me close. These wonderful promises that God loves us. And what mother doesn't want to see their child prosper? Like if you had a child, a lot of you have had children, and you get excited when your child passes the exam for school. <laughs> or when they get the job that they were really looking for. Or when they find the right boyfriend, girlfriend. <laughs> oh boy, you got to do some praying there sometimes. <laughs> but, but, you know, you're, you're when they get the right person, you know? And you go, wow, this is great. Or when you see them prospering and being able to support themselves and being able to be good social citizens and help people. God loves all that. We love that. So why wouldn't God love that? Yes, when it becomes an idol and all those kinds of things like it has in our culture. Absolutely. But I think there's something beautiful about God giving us the abundance of our culture, but us using it properly. And being that as an example, that's another way we can witness. It's another way that we can, you know, be God's uh, voice and person on the earth. Second Peter 1.4, close. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. This thing that I, I read, it's just a little thing, I'll read it. Participating in the divine nature simply means that as believers, through the power of the Spirit, we begin to change positively and demonstrate more and more of the character of God in our lives. At the same time, we demonstrate less and less of the character of the culture we live in. As a result, we escape the eternal decay or rottenness that accompanies so much of the evil desires of this world. God wants to bless us this morning. And... You know, he wants us to ask him for both these spiritual changes that we're talking about here, but also for everything else we need and to not be afraid of that. Again, I can't get that sail image out of my head. God is saying, set your sail. Let the wind come in. You can't, if the sail's not up, the boat ain't no going to move. It just isn't going to move. You got to put the sail up and you don't put a sail up if you don't expect wind. And God's saying to expect that. So, Father, we thank you for what it is you're saying to us as individuals uh, this morning, what it is you are saying to us through your word. And, Father, we pray as we leave here today that, Lord, you would show us how to set our sail, a sail of expectation. You love us. You care for us. You want to give us good gifts. And, Father, we just say yes to them this morning. We say yes in Jesus' name. Amen. I mean, the prosperity gospel has been so, has taken this and really turned it on its head and made it something ugly. But Janet, go ahead. Wow, there's a sermon. Yeah, what uh, Janet is saying there, uh, for those at home, is saying that, you can still be in a house and in a home and a family and still be abandoned. What's beautiful in Psalm 27, it says, but I will come and hold you close. Yeah, it's, it's, and you know, a lot of us, 
when I talk to people and I hear about the way they've been brought up, um, really, it's abandonment. Y yeah, they might have supplied food, and you might have had some kind of a house. We had some kind of a house. <laughs> Cam knows. We had some kind of a house, um, but uh, it was made by a drunk sailor, and uh, it, it really was. It uh, wasn't a straight wall in it. But uh, no insulation. We used to scrape the ice off the inside of the windows in the in the winter and stuff. But uh, and the old remember the old oil stoves. We used to lighten the house stunk of oil and um, you may have had all what those things, but still have been abandoned. And yet, and I talk to people who they just never got love. They never got nurture. They never got a sense of belonging. They never got a sense that somebody cared for them. They never got a sense of safety. That was the big one for me because I saw such violence. And because of it, there is a very, in my life, a very, very deep-rooted sense of mistrust around being safe, safe with God or anything. And so, the, uh, or, on, on, and I've seen on the converse, where you have someone who's lived in just horrible situations, but the parents were loving and nurturing, and they came out with a very strong sense of self. And just confident, they're, they're incredible people to be around. So you can be abandoned yet even in a family. But God, you know, we're the family of God, right? And it's just really important that we don't abandon each other. Because when push comes to shove, folks, you and I are all we have. Because when it comes to getting us through the rough patches and all those things, the world don't know how to do that. They can't help us do that. Who's going to help you deal with a lost loved one? Who's going to help you deal with a crisis in your life? Who's going to help you climb the ladder of your spiritual growth? It's going to be other Christians that help you do that. So it's really important that we love each other and we take care of each other, even if it's just a smile or a, a talk or a phone call or something. But it, it, it really is true. So... I have put together promises. I just went and got 50 promises. Hopefully, there's no, there's not 50 people here. And I just put each one on a piece of paper. And as you go today, just take one of them. And I'm trusting that God knows what promise needs to go to what person. And I just want you to take one of those on your way out and take it home. And you can, you can keep it in the garbage if you want. Hopefully, you won't do that. But look at it and ask God what he's saying to you through it. Um, and that he may have a, a promise for you that's very significant today. Um, so you can take those on the way. We'll take up an offering. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to give back. Um, we do it with thanks. And we do it with the knowledge that all our blessings come from you. And Father, we give back with thanks and worship in Jesus' name. Amen.